Yeah, wasn't Lindsey Graham the one that recently is trying to pass a bill? 15. Yeah, 15 weeks banning nationwide. When, when, how long ago? Before. Yeah, he said, oh, less it should be in the state's hands. How long How long ago was that? Like a couple months ago? Month. Less than a month. Oh, my God. It's similar to the, well, you can't put a new justice in um, within an election year. Oh, That'd be stupid. That's why Brett Kavanaugh's not going to be um, considered. Yeah. Cut to the next election Was it election two cycle. months before? A, she was, she, no, it's like a week. Oh, oh, that's right. It was. It was that she close. Was, she was confirmed like a week before. They were like, right, we're going to have to rush this process. So all the due diligence straight out the fucking window because we need to get this woman on the bench. Yep. Get her there. Yep. Come on. Yep. Yes, she's a fundamentalist. Yes. And a really weird sect of fundamentalism. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> she may have eaten someone. It's fucking <laughs> I wouldn't put it past her. She probably is part of it. Hey up, I'm Joe Heathcote, and this is Consistently Eccentric, a British history podcast where we try to make sense of some of the lesser known and more absurd people and events these islands have produced. So let's get started with this story takes place in Tudor, England. Oh, that is a long time ago. Because Henry VIII was really, really fixated on having people executed. It was one yeah. of his favourite things to do. That was my very first person that I studied as far as history outside of school. That was the mm. first person that I... Right, so you're going to be really knowledgeable. What you're saying is... But I don't know. It was a long time ago. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I I love that Tudor area, era. Era. And that, you know, like I said, that was a first. So this is exciting. So you'll know then being as you are our resident Henry expert, he was never <laughs> actually meant to be king. Yes, that's Because true. he was actually the second son of his father, Henry VII. And as a result, he'd pretty much been left to his own devices as a child. He wasn't being groomed for kingship. He was allowed to go out and focus on his own passions. So hunting, jousting. Eating. He was a prince of leisure. Chicken. Yeah, he did whatever he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do the, like... Turkey eating a chicken. That's why well, as like we know, he developed gout, so he wasn't he wasn't eating yeah. his veggies. <laughs> However, even after his older brother and heir apparent Arthur died in 1502 at the age of only 15, no one seemed to realise it would be a good idea to begin instructing Henry in the art of kingship. Though, to be fair to them, his father was only 45; he was in good health, so. Surely they'd have a couple of decades to sort things out when it came to the younger Henry. Get him get him ready. Just ease him in. You never you know. know. It could be like seven decades. You never know how long a monarchy is going to live. Yeah, he, he actually lived <laughs> to 106. No. no. <laughs> Henry VII died seven years later, on April the 21st, 1509, leaving his namesake as the new king. And the newly minted Henry VIII wasted no time in asserting his authority. And these are some power moves that are coming up. Because firstly, he married his older brother's widow. Bear in mind his older brother had been 15 when he died. He married his widow, Catherine of Aragon. Yes. As you do. I forgot about that, yes. Mm. Then, literally two days after his coronation, on the 26th of June, he had two of his father's key advisers, Edmund Dudley and Sir Richard Empson, arrested for treason because he may not have been taught the finer points of politics 
but he had figured out that dead people would be less of an issue to him. <laughs> oh. So he came to the throne and these two guys had been big players in his father's court and they were thinking they could just carry on. And probably because Henry was so young, we're thinking, well, we, we've got a great chance here to basically run the kingdom. So they went and they had a chat with him and he immediately pegged them as, oh, you're going to try and tell me what to do. No one, no one tells Henry VIII nope. what to do. <laughs> After a few more nobles were executed for treason, things pretty much settled down. So he, he got rid of his father's old guard, installed his own guys. Not entourage. He's happy now. And it's possible that Henry's reign would have been a relatively boring one if his wife Catherine had been able to have a son. That's true. All her fault. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she tried, and we'll get into that. She, she gave it a good go. But they didn't know back then. They didn't know about genetics back then, Uh huh. that it was actually his his fault. fault. Well, it's not to say that no executions happened uh, in the the next few years, of course. In 1518, for example, after nearly 5,000 Londoners had used the May Day celebrations as an excuse to attack the houses of foreigners, imagine that, subverting a national holiday to attack foreigners. Brilliant. It was it was the Flemish and the French that they were after in this particular one, and they just broke into the houses and started stealing stuff. Oh. Henry himself decided to have a go at being a judge, uh, and he had all of the arrested rioters, over 300, brought to Westminster Hall, where the Queen is currently, in a box. Um, and he started, one by one, going through them and had 13 put to death. Jeez. He may have gone on to have pretty much the entire lot executed if Catherine, his queen, had not convinced him to pardon the rest. So it was one of those, you're watching every single person who's going in front, it's like, execution for you, execution for you, and you're just trying to get to the back of the queue. (laughs) And it's a big hall, so you have a long walk out. (laughs) And Catherine eventually just tugs on Henry, so it's like, isn't that enough, dear? Come on, you've made your point. We do need people to go to work tomorrow and you're killing most most of the craftsmen that we have in London. Now, it may have been that she had compassion for these people or it may have been that she was sick of the sight of dead bodies because during the first 15 years of their marriage, Catherine gave birth to three daughters and three sons. But sadly, of these, four were stillborn and the only male that wasn't stillborn died within a month. Wow. He'd also been called Henry, by the way, because the British monarchy is nothing if not, you know, keen on recycling the old names there. By 1525, Henry was 35, and he was starting to worry that, as he currently only had a little girl called Mary, he didn't have a potential heir to his throne, because this was back in the day when, you know, girls couldn't be ruling a country. That's ridiculous. (laughs) Silly idea. How would they cope? I know. With the weak little thoughts and the propensity towards emotion. I don't know. With their hysteria. And their hysteria. Now, seeing his increasing desperation and sensing a chance to increase their power, the Bolin family began mentioning that their daughter Anne, who was at the time one of Catherine's ladies-in-waiting, so she was supposed to be all about bigging up the queen. Well, yeah. Anne had perfect childbearing hips, you know. Yeah. And she, she's definitely virile. She was, yeah, she, and she, she had the charm. Mm. And Henry, Henry started to believe this because he'd already had an affair with Anne's older sister, which had produced two bastard children. So he's like, yeah, I know the Bolin family girls. They're, 
Yep, they, they, they'll they be able to produce me that air I need. Yeah. So he resolved to divorce Catherine and marry Anne. This decision, however, would involve breaking with the Catholic Church, which... I was going to ask, were they allowed to do that back then? No, okay. no, no, no. <laughs> no. It wasn't very popular with a lot of the Catholic priests and the Catholic nobles who felt that being on the wrong side of the Pope, being on the wrong side of the Pope even, could cause trouble, considering, you know, most of Europe was uh, heavily Catholic states, Spain, France, all those people we traditionally went to war with, but were currently at an uneasy peace with. Also, let's not forget Catherine of Aragon was a Spanish noble. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah, we're going to upset them no matter what. Luckily, Henry knew what to do with people who disagreed with his ideas. I have a feeling where that's going. We have some room in the cemetery for you. (laughs) Well, yeah, he was in need, though of people who could handle volume. This was this was going to have to be, uh, you know, a job lot. He needed an execution dream team. And luckily he found one in the form of executioner Mr. Cratwell. That's how he's known to history. We don't know what his first name was. Hmm. So he will forever be known as Mr. Cratwell. I don't think he really needs a first name. No. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah, had an assistant, you know. Really? Can you guess what Mr. Cratwell's assistant was called? Mini Cratwell, Cratwell Jr. <laughs> <laughs> he he doesn't even get a neck. He was only known by his nickname, which was oh. Stumpleg. Oh, oh, that's, that's a lovely name. That's awful. <laughs> so it's Mr. Cratwell and Stumpleg, and that's who we're following today. Oh. I would just You'll be pleased to know. Dumpy. <laughs> Stumpy? Stumpy, where are you? <laughs> I need your assistance. Mr. Cratwell was the executioner for London and Middlesex, and he suddenly found himself inundated with work. What of that? He became rich. (laughs) One of the more unusual executions he was asked to complete involved a case of poisoning in the household of a bishop called Fisher, which led to the death of two people. So it was a successful poisoning as far as I'm concerned. Apparently, yeah. What kind of poison? We don't know. They said white powder. Which could literally be anything. I don't think anything. forensics mm-hmm. had developed to the point in Tudor England where we could uh, yeah. retroactively. <laughs> Not so much. They poisoned the <laughs> porridge with a white powder. Now, Fisher himself had decided, possibly through the intervention of God, that he wasn't hungry for porridge that morning, so he'd escaped. But two of the members of his household had died. I suddenly am not hungry for my oatmeal. Incidentally, Fisher was very much a fan of Catherine of Aragon. He didn't want a divorce to go through. He wasn't happy with the plans that were going down. And it was suspected by many that as a result, the attempt to poison him had been conducted by the Bolin family to try and, you know, ease the way for their little scheme. This theory was strengthened by the fact that Anne's father, Anne Boleyn's father, had fired a cannon at Bishop Fisher's house shortly after the poisoning took place when he learned Ah. that Fisher had not died. Oh, so there you go. <clears throat> so they're firing cannons. <laughs> this is like a... Stumpy, where's my cannon? Modern day London, America, but they've got cannons. the city of London. He just Jeez. turned his cannon around. It's like, well, I didn't oh. get him with the poison. I'll try and be a bit less subtle next time. <laughs> <laughs> Which obviously, you know, it, it was putting Henry in an awkward spot because at this point he definitely wanted to marry Anne, but he couldn't marry the daughter of someone who was openly trying to declare war on a bishop. So in order to divert suspicion, Anne's family came up with a plan. They said, Henry, what we'll do, we'll blame the cook. 
because it was poison food. Obviously, the cook has the opportunity, if not the motive. Can I ask a question? Of course. Do they still have royal testers? Because didn't they didn't they do that? Like they used like to have royal food testers, yes. But this was. Mm, do you I, think that the queen had a royal tester? Do they still do that practice? I don't know. I don't think so. Because it feels so much more lax. Because watching them go into the crowd, even with COVID still among Mm -hmm. them, they were like really close to the crowd. I feel like um, if I wanted to kill the king, (laughs) I would have COVID and just go and shake his hand. (laughs) Don't shake those sausage hands. Shake his hand. (laughs) Give him the COVID. Or, I mean, it just seems so lax is my point. And I was wondering if like they do stuff like that because there's a lot of practices that I'm still surprised at. Like, did you know that there's a bagpiper that wakes the queen up every morning? Oh, not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. But if he manages no. it, that's going to be quite the feat. Right. Mm. He would be a magician. But he called her pipes. He, she called him pipes. Yeah, because she couldn't yeah, be bothered to like learn his bloody name. name. Yeah. Right. It's Why does she have to be year. woken up every morning? Why can't she just sleep in? If that was a thing. Well, no, I want she a has to be a bagpiper to wake up. Your job to be queen and to be up. Yeah, she has to go anyway, and open okay. things. Go back to your story. I'm sorry, but I well, wanted to see if there was. Royal I testers. don't think there was a taster because this was just a bishop. This wasn't the king okay. who'd, who'd nearly. Well, been it poisoned. made me think about the queen. That's where my mind went. Okay, go so ahead. Fisher's cook was a man called Richard Roos, and because the Bolins were playing on Henry's paranoia, because he was desperately afraid of being poisoned, he definitely had a royal food taster. He had a lot of paranoia. He said, look, this po- it's not just this one. There's been poisonings going on all over the place. Do you know what you need to do, Henry? You need to write a new law to stop this in its tracks. The law that they convinced Henry to write retroactively, so that it would apply in this case, made poisoning a treasonous offence. So it's treason Ooh. to poison anyone within Britain. The punishment... <laughs> and you know where treason gets you. Yeah, naturally, <laughs> is execution. How a tree. Oh, no, no, no. There's a special, special execution designated for poisoners. Oh. Oh. They have to eat their own poison. Being boiled alive. (gasps) Oh, my God. Are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding you. Oh. That just gave me chills. So. That reminded me of the House of Wax horror movie. Ooh. I've only seen, like, one horror movie in the last 30 years, and that was House of Wax. Mm. And they would... They that reminded you why you people. don't watch horror movies. Right. Oh, they no. Wa- they, they put the person, they dip the person in wax alive. Mm. Yeah. Wasn't so Paris Hilton like... in that? Yes. Oh, she, she, was. Was, she was. Yeah. And they would melt off and you could just see them like, oh, it gives me chills. Well, don't worry because, oh. you know, he's only been accused of treason. You know, nothing's happened yet. <laughs> so anyway, he yeah, was. Yeah, but you could be. Um, accused and then like maybe you didn't do it. Yeah. How are they going to prove it? You just say, oh, you're the chef. You must have done it. Treason! Right? Stumpy! Go get the boiling pot. <laughs> go get my go get the boiling pot. They didn't even go that far because <laughs> he didn't get a trial. Oh. The king just made a unilateral decision. This is now what we're going to do to people who poison and you definitely poisoned and I'm king. I'm infallible. So why would we bother with a trial? Instead, Mr. Cratwell and Stumpleg suddenly found themselves scrambling to find a massive cooking pot <laughs> and to create an intricate pulley system oh. that could lift oh. and manipulate oh. a man. Oh. On April 15th... Wait, wait, wait. I have a question. Do you? This is really morbid. Okay. Okay. 
Now I'm really interested to hear this question. <laughs> when you boil somebody. Yep. I'm imagining when I boil chicken. <laughs> like I'm not going to eat chicken now for a long time. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, the, the meat is still intact when you boil it. Are they boiling to the point of like trying to melt them apart? Or are they boiling them to the point of like... Got a little rubbery. Just rubbery. <laughs> like, all well, your not, all your I mean, questions will be answered. Don't worry. Okay, okay. Because I'm, oh. on April fifteenth, fifteen thirty-two, I feel nauseous. Richard Roos was taken to Smithfield, where a pot of boiling water was already <gasps> waiting for him. Oh, Stumpy! He was tied up in chains, <laughs> and Cratwell and Stumpleg hoisted him up over the pot while a large crowd of onlookers watched on. What happened next was reported by an eyewitness. Thusly, he roared mighty loud, and diverse women who were big with child did feel sick at the sight of what they saw, and were carried mm-hmm. away half dead. And other men and women did not seem frightened by the boiling alive, but would prefer to see a headsman at work. So basically they were like, well, it's, it's not quite got the pizzazz of an axe, has it? Oh my god. <laughs> Mr. Cratwell ended okay, up having to dunk Roos... I have a better way of boiling someone alive. <laughs> Do you? Uh-oh. <laughs> you put them in the pot I'm... and slowly bring it up to temperature. Yes. I'm concerned. Just like, a frog, like you would do with a frog or a lobster, right? No, a lobster I guess you would throw in, but if you do it slow, maybe they won't scream. Oh, he screamed quite a bit. Um, yes. Because oh. in the end, they dunked Roos into the pot three times. So they put him in and brought him out like they were making a very macabre cup of tea. Just dunking oh, him God. in like a tea bag. That is no. After the third That's... time, the cook oh. finally stopped screaming. The whole process, from him being taken to Smithfield and him dying, took two hours. Ah, oh. That's kind of ironic that he was boiled two alive and he was hours. a chef. Two hours. He's probably like thinking about all the animals that he boils. I, <laughs> I will never boil anything but alive. nothing alive, right? You kill it before Aww. you boil it. Well, you That's said yourself, lobster. lobsters. He's like, I'm, I am lobster. now a lobster. Nope. I am the human lobster. Yeah, but some never. people feel like they tried to kill the lobster um, before they put it in the pot because they're trying to be... Anyway. Okay. Weirdly, a lot of the criticism of Henry's plan to divorce Catherine sort of quietened down after this. Uh, and Henry did get divorced from his wife and married Anne Boleyn at the start of 1532. That's when things kicked off, with Henry being excommunicated and decided, screw it, if I can't be part of your church, I will set up my own church. That I I rule, I tell them what to do. La la la. And the Church of England does still exist to this day. Wow. And I believe is still the largest attended um, church in Britain. Is that the church that the that the monarchy still? Yes, is still the head of state. With? Oh, okay. Uh, oh, yeah. I guess I. So Charlie is now the head of the Church of England. All right. Aware of the fact that there was a real chance that the Catholic kingdoms of mainland Europe might invade, Henry realised he needed cash and quickly in order to raise an army if needed. He decided to kill two birds with one stone by charging any noble who'd spoken against his divorce with treason and then seizing their estates after they were found guilty and executed. Mm. Brilliant. That. Man, yeah. this dude's on a roll. Just And there, wow. there were a lot of people who'd voiced some concern, so Mr. Cratwell was kept busy swinging his axe, and Stumpleg was sent all over London to place the heads on spikes above gates, the entrance to Westminster Hall, and, of course, 
both ends of London Bridge. Stopping it, my stick! Which, again, was the only bridge across the Thames at the time. So if you wanted to get from one side of London to the other, you would have to walk past heads on spikes. Heads, yeah. Oh, that's nice. Imagine if your daily commute was from Southwark to the city of London. That means twice a day you would be walking past... That would be really surreal. Just these decaying like, heads. Like the San Francisco Bridge. If there was like stinky heads too. on the bridge. Oh, no, or no. Like no. the bridge you crossed. They dip mm, the like heads in just... tar to try and preserve them and, and, and alleviate the stink. I think most of the smell would have just been from the human shit that was in all of the streets at the time. You know? <laughs> That's, yeah. That'll do it. <laughs> Night soil, as it was called. There were actually people who were hired in London. This is a bit of a tangent, but the job was literally to just push poo down the open sewers towards oh, the river. There was God. there was a full sort of network of people whose jobs was just trying to manage the amount of shit that was yeah, in the streets. Yeah, you never want to fall into a river in England. <laughs> Especially not at the moment. Jeez. <laughs> of course, that yeah. was just the rich people. If you were poor, you'd just be put on a cart, taken to Tyburn, and hung by the dozen. Because you didn't have any things to seize. It's just about like getting who, you killed. Yeah, who cares? Who cares yeah. if you're on a... Yeah. And if you want to know more about Tyburn, we did do an entire mini-series. A three-parter I covering the history of the Tyburn tree. Yes. Yes. Okay. Because it's all about that. callbacks now. I've got that over was 100 like last episodes. year, right? Two years ago. Two years? Yeah. Oh, wow. Been doing this a while. Yeah. However, there was a snag in Henry's brilliant plan. His money-making scheme. Today, anyone accused of a crime is expected to plead either guilty or not guilty. And it was exactly the same in Tudor England. You know, things couldn't proceed until a plea was entered. However, remaining silent was not taken to mean a decision either way. Today, it's assumed that if you don't say anything, you're pleading not guilty. But then, not saying anything meant that all the proceedings were held up. To to get past this this logjam, a person who continued to refuse to speak would be pressed to give an answer which is a very literal description of what would happen. A person alive at the time provided more context thusly. For such as stand mute at their trial and refuse to answer guilty or not guilty, pressing to death is the proper punishment. Pressing to death for remaining silent. In such a case, the prisoner is laid... It's like for the witches, right? There was only one guy who was done that way. The guy who went, more weight, before he died. In such a case, the prisoner is laid in a low, dark room in the prison, all naked but his privy members. His back upon the bare ground, his arms and legs stretched with cords and fastened to the several quarters of the room. This done, he has a great weight of iron and stone laid upon him. His diet, till he dies, is of three morsels of barley bread without drink the next day. And if he lives beyond it, he has nothing daily but as much foul water as he can drink, and that without any bread. Die of constipation. Right. (laughs) Which grievous death some resolute offenders have chosen to save their estates for their children, which is the key point. So basically, you would be tied, spread-eagled on the floor, and they would just keep putting things on you until you either entered a plea, guilty or not guilty, or... Or died. ...of generally suffocation. Oh, But a lot of these nobles, knowing that they would only receive a show trial anyway, so they were going to die, it was the only way to ensure that their kids would continue to inherit their estate. Because if you've not been found guilty of treason, 
the king is not allowed to take your lance as forfeit. So you be, you're being put fair. in a shite position, but it's like, well, I'm dead either way. I can at least stop my kids being destitute this way. Yeah, that's true. That would be hard, though. I don't think... I think um, I would crack under pressure really quickly. Mm. Yeah. I was tortured. But they're sacrificing they, themselves for like the good Stumpy of their would kids. bring the little a little stone, Stumpy. and I'd be like, "No, okay, I'm guilty. I'm sorry." The pebble. The little the pebble. pebble. <laughs> well, Mr. Cratwell and Stump, like they generally use up to about four hundred pounds of weight, which oh ensured that God. the person being pressed would suffer for as long as possible before death. Although they probably would have said it was to give the victims the longest possible time to make a plea either way. So I think I think they were told by Henry, you know, it's like, well, if they have to die, they have to die. But, you know, make sure that there's a lot of suffering in the interim so that the, I get the best chance of taking their shit. I want their stuff. Your job is to get me their stuff. Don't care how you do it. So that's about, what, 180 kilos? So it's about three times my weight. It's yeah. going to be, you're going to die of suffocation uh, slowly. Yeah, there's... I mean, like, all your organs would start to, like, just be pressed mm. to nothing. It's like trying to stop, you're trying to stop something moving, right? So your heart's beating, but you're putting all this weight on it. Yeah. It'd be like having it slowly a, compresses your lungs and your heart. And just... It's like my heart. Yeah. My... Your lungs can't expand, so I guess the suffocation <laughs> thing makes sense. It's a podcast and I'm doing all these hand signals. <laughs> can't you see? It works great. I'm sure people can imagine. They can imagine. What you're doing. They're imagining. My heart, my heartbeat. <laughs> Hearing that a lot of people were dying without pleading either way, it annoyed Henry. And to get around this trend of people choosing to be flattened rather than forfeit their estates, he announced that he expected everyone to sign the Oath of Supremacy, which forced people to either sign to say Henry was only answerable to God and was head of the Church of England, so there, anyone refusing to do so would automatically be assumed to be guilty of treason. So he got oh. around the, the refusing to plea thing by coming up with either you sign this or you are, by not signing it, saying you're guilty of treason so I can take your stuff. Amongst other people, this ultimately led to Bishop Fisher finally being killed at the third time of asking. So they tried to poison him. Wow. They tried to blow him up with a cannon, but it was him refusing to sign this <laughs> that finally got his head on a block. But it also led to the deaths of some of the most influential advisors to the king. For example, Mr. Cratwell was the man responsible for the execution of Thomas More in 1535. Thomas More. A man who had stuck with Henry through thick and thin for nearly two decades, but couldn't accept him unilaterally declaring himself head of the church and condoner of his own divorce. So he's like, Henry, this is, this is too much, sir. He had enough. Yeah. That was his last straw. He never openly stated this view, but he did refuse to sign the Oath of Supremacy. And this was seen as grounds enough to have a trial for treason. Wow. Now, it just so happened that amongst the judges chosen to hear the case were Anne Boleyn's uncle, Anne Boleyn's father, and mm. Anne Boleyn's brother. Sounds fair. Yeah, that's... that's <laughs> not a... if, you, if you're going to be a namby-pamby liberal about it, I guess you could argue that Maybe. they may have had a vested interest <laughs> in the outcome. Um, so anyway, the guilty verdict came down. Uh, and with it a death sentence though to be fair to Henry because you know Thomas More had been his advisor for 20 years he did commute the sentence from being hung drawn and quartered to simple decapitation which was nice of him I guess that's more pleasant it's it's quicker so long as you have a good (laughs) executioner 
and not a rusty saw or something. Well, on the scaffold, Moore apparently requested that Mr. Cratwell take special care not to accidentally cut his beard. (laughs) Because, and I think he's, this is an accurate thing to say. He, He told Mr. Cratwell, look, my beard is completely innocent of any crime and it does not deserve your axe. It's a crime of, like, I don't want to look at it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It was a beautiful sort of long, bushy beard. Long, he spent a yeah, long time on yeah. it. He's very pleased with it. He's like, well groomed. <laughs> My beard didn't do anything, you guys. Like, I know what happens next. My head goes really on a spike. Hard. I want, when my head is on that spike, for it to still have its glorious beard. Does he know there's going to be tar dripping from that, like, beard of his? Well, you just use that to style. You get it into a nice sort of point and do, do the Van Dyke moustache to go with it. You know, it's beautiful. <laughs> oh. He then recited Psalm 51 so beautifully that Mr. Cratwell, moved by Thomas's conviction in his beliefs, rather than chop his head off, begged his forgiveness. And he was probably wow. surprised when Thomas More leapt back to his feet from the block, kissed him on the cheek and told him that he was he was more than happy to forgive him before carefully wow. kneeling back down to the block in such a way as to ensure his magnificent beard was, <laughs> was out of the, the firing line for it. <laughs> and then he Aww. chopped his head off. So, he, you know, he was moved by it. I but... wouldn't be able to do that after all that. I'd be like, stop me. Here's your first one. You're up. <laughs> I'm not saying he didn't shed a tear under his little executioner's hood as yeah. the axe oh, came yeah. down, but he's got a job to do. And Mr. Cratwell is a professional. He's, he's murdered dozens of people at this point. Though Moore and Fisher were simply decapitated... Three monks who also refused to sign the oath were not so lucky. Mr. Cratwell was ordered to perform the full ritual of hanging, drawing and quartering with them, which sounds quite quick when you say it like that. But it also included a quick castration. Ah. Yep, I like that reaction. Just two people in use ago. You know, that's funny because I was going to tell Mel today that I want to do a history of castration episode. Ah. Chuck this one in. Hanging, drawing, and quartering included castration. (laughs) And the slow removal and burning of the condemned person's intestines while they were alive, because that was usually the thing that finally caused them to die, as the quartering of the body was always done posthumously. Yeah, they did that to Wallace, too. They stuck his innards in front of him while he was alive. They made them outeds. How were people back then not grossed out by all of this? They they went to watch it as entertainment. It's like television. Yeah, I guess that's true. We watch horror movies. We do watch some pretty gross stuff. Mm. And these are people like, oh, they deserve it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like horror movies, so I don't, I don't, I love execution, but I don't want to watch one. (laughs) Busy as they were, Mr. Cratwell and Stumpleg would likely have been blissfully unaware of the increasing marital strife between Anne and Henry. As, although Anne had given birth to a daughter called Elizabeth, who I'm sure wouldn't go on to do anything special, we've never had a you know an important queen called Elizabeth, and we never will. No, but I'm understanding <laughs> where Mary, Bloody Mary, gets her um, influence from. Well, Anne was also struggling to produce a male heir, so those childbearing hips, she'd yeah. started doing the stillborn thing as well, bless her, and she knew what uh, that meant. That damn sperm. Yep. Sounds like it was the sperm. Mm -hmm. Things got even worse in the summer of 1536 when Henry was injured at a joust, suffering a broken leg and what appears to have been a frontal lobe brain injury in the process. That's Uh when he started to really gain weight. Mm. 
Did he get super crazy after that? Well, oh, he yeah. already was super crazy. Did he get even crazier? <laughs> yeah. If that's even possible. More impatient, I think. His paranoia kicked into high gear. He was in yeah. constant oh, pain from his go. injuries. Because he couldn't exercise as much, he began to become the fat man that we know from history. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> he because was before that, he was pretty active. Oh, yeah. He was a handsome young yeah. man. He was yeah, considered quite active. the catch until... But after his injury, he, just, he loved to eat and just... From this point, he was described as being impulsive and cruel. And one of the first to get on his bad side was none other than Anne Boleyn. Wait, what happened to the jouster? Did he die? No, no. You said it was in a joust, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Henry went down. Happened. But he so, didn't have him executed for him treason. <laughs> no, it's, one, it's one of those weird things. You know, it, he was in some ways very, very proper. He'd always have to come up with a loophole. It's like, well, these people were doing treason. That's why they were executed. This guy was just in a joust. It's like, oh, it's fair. Yeah. You know. Did you see those movies and they were like, oh, it's the king or whatever? Like, no, don't, don't play. Oh, I think I'm thinking of that one movie with. You're thinking of a Knight's Tale Ledger. with Heath Ledger. Yeah, Knight's Tale. Yeah. And he was the oh, only one who would actually give him a proper match, yeah. and he respected oh. him for it. I don't believe that's based purely on history. I think there may have been some. No, I don't. The fact that William Chaucer is <laughs> involved in it somewhere. Anyway, yes, so Anne Boleyn was going to get the first, you know, she was going to see the new Henry before anyone else. She was accused of adultery and incest for good measure with her brother. Yeah. Ew. This all occurred after Mr. Cratwell and Stumpleg managed to get a musician called Mark Smeaton, which to me doesn't sound like a Tudor name at all. I imagine a music teacher called Mark Smeaton is probably working at a school not too far away from me. <laughs> Yeah, that is. But they managed to get Mark Smeaton to admit that he'd had an adulterous affair with Anne, uh, and he named pretty much anyone they wanted him to name by that point. They were probably torturing him to do it. What makes you say that? He'd chosen to wear <laughs> oh. the thumb screws as an accessory. See, that's it's a little weird. thing called fashion. <laughs> anyway, Anne was found guilty of high treason, the highest, and sentenced to death. And this is where the story gets really sad. Because it hasn't been sad up to now. <laughs> you know, for Mr. Cratwell, this is the moment. Yeah, There's a queen rich. that needs executing. And he uh, is the king's go to executioner. He was thinking, Yes, time to shine. This is this is my moment. But Henry, he told Cratwell to go sit on the bench because he had decided to be nice to Anne and he bought her a little present from Paris. Who bought her a present? Henry did. Brought her, brought her oh, a present from uh, Paris. Uh oh, what did he bring her? A swordsman. I'm concerned. Who could take okay. off her head with no risk of needing a second or third stroke. Oh, that is so thoughtful. Yeah. So does that does that say that the other executioner, Crapswell, Crap, Crapwell, Crap, Mr. Crappy, <laughs> yeah, he wasn't slicing as well as he should be. Well, I think he was slicing as well as the king expected. And if it took a second swing every now and then, well, these are traitors. But But this is the queen. We want to make sure that it's... That it's a smooth... Yeah. I mean, even baby babies, I don't want to make you suffer. Mm. You know, if mummy suffers, Elizabeth might end up resenting him. So you've got to make sure mummy dies cleanly. Can you imagine having a father (laughs) that killed your mother? Mm. Well, Mary got off easy, didn't she? It's like, well, you do... You know, she's going... He divorced my mum and Elizabeth sat there going, yeah, and. Yeah. <laughs> At least you can write oh. her a letter. God damn. Right, right? seriously. Sensitive. Lots of letters. It's no wonder the two sisters oh. hated each other. 
<laughs> Growing up in this toxic environment, I mean, goddamn. <laughs> now, if Mr. Cratwell and Stumpleg were upset at having been passed over for such a monumental job, they could comfort themselves by burning heretics. Keeps I mean, you warm at yeah, night. That's what it? I would do. Yeah. yeah. Because since he had declared. Literally. Him... <laughs> <laughs> that's not the kind of fire I want to keep me warm, but all right. Whatever works. Burning yeah. human flesh. Whatever kindling you want to use. Well, since he declared himself head of the church, Henry could claim that any religious person who disagreed with him was a heretic. So suddenly, the, the, amount, the amount of heretics was through the roof. It was quite a rare thing uh, beforehand, but wow, my, if they didn't all come out of the woodwork. After 1535, there were lots of these people, as Henry had started on his next money-making scheme, the dissolution of the monasteries, where basically he just said, all that land... I'm head of the church, I'm claiming it. All of the gold plate, all of the silver plate, everything you have, that's mine. Uh, and fuck you, have a nice day. <laughs> Cratwell got to hang many, many monks. And in 1537, he even got the opportunity to That burn. guy is like in a special hell. Seriously. <laughs> but it's making Cratwell happy. Is it making him happy? Or is I, I like to think fun? it is because he's he's gone back to doing what he's doing best. He's hanging. He really works. loves what he does. Yeah, yeah but that's okay. important. Didn't we talk about this once that you kind of fall into that that um, that job line of work hmm. and not necessarily is something you want to do. It's just something that you ended up having to do. Hmm. Or right, so it's not like he's going to change. Like you can't just change careers. You but you say, get you get paid by the it's it's almost like a gig economy. You get paid right. by the execution, and you know Cratwell's working yeah, at a time at when point, there's loads. You're human. Yeah, you've already said he was a little. You got a little emotional maybe with that one guy. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, does he just get so hardened that he just keeps going? I I would like to think that he did not have a happy life, that he did not sleep well at night. Well, killing all these people, uh... and he didn't like it. The king, on the other hand, I think liked it, but I don't think he did. I think he did it because he was making money, that's his job. Well, he did get a chance but... to burn a witch, so, I mean, who hasn't wanted to burn a witch? <laughs> that's always fun. That's the highlight of his career. <laughs> this particular witch was called Margaret Bulmer, and she was burned at Smithfield. And basically what she'd done to, to be uh, deemed a heretic is she hadn't told her husband about a plot um, to overthrow the king. So she hadn't actively done anything to try and help with this um, rebellion. She'd just not told anyone that she'd heard some stuff and that was considered wow. enough to, for her to but be burned. But then someone knew state. that she had Aww. heard it, so then they told yeah. on her. Well, she's clearly a witch then, obviously. Mm-hmm. The next... I seriously think if you're a witch, you could get out of it. For oh, real. Is that, the, is that the test? For real. Yeah, but <laughs> that, just, that just precipitates yeah. the, well, what we're going to do is we're going to burn you at the stake and <laughs> if you get away, you're a witch. Yeah. And if you don't... You're a witch. You're innocent. It's good for you. Sorry. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. As they're screaming, it's like, oh, I don't think she's a witch. Uh, but I don't think she'll survive at this point. Probably just... Uh, this is a tangent, but I just read a book recently mm-hmm. that where this it was set in Scotland and this went back a long time and the witches were being burnt and one of the witches cursed everybody. It'll be James the First and the... Uh, yeah. Well, it wasn't a real person. It was a, it was a fake... It was a story. It was just fictional. But she had cursed the town... But that's what I would do. If someone like Luke said, I was a. I think about these things too often. So that's why I have these answers. But if someone tried to burn me at the stake, and I, I would, I would like put that in their head. Like, 
that I can curse you. And if they really think I'm a witch, they're going to really think that's going to happen. So right. Anytime something bad happens, they're going to go, oh my God, that must be the curse. Goddamn just witch. Have that, yes. Just make so them that, paranoid. So they'll be paranoid and suffer. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I <laughs> curse you that you will stub your toe on a day in the future. <laughs> really, really sting. Twenty you minutes. Don't know yet, but cars are going to be invented, and you're going to get in an accident. That's right. <laughs> the next year, on the twenty fourth of August, fifteen thirty eight, Mr. Cratwell was attending the annual St. Bartholomew's Day Fair. You all know St. Bartholomew. Oh yeah. So he was one of the disciples who was apparently martyred by having his skin flayed off while he was still alive. And there is a bitching statue of him where someone has done uh, a guy just in the muscles and he's wearing his muscles as a cloak. It is honestly, look for the pictures of that statue. It's amazingly well done. Now, seeing the many stalls bedecked with lovely, pretty things. And finding that he did not have enough money to purchase all of the items that he might desireth, Mr. Cratwell, he had a weak moment, and he decided he was going to try turning his hand to theft. Now, you would have thought that he... I don't feel sorry for him anymore. ...above all others, would have been well aware of the risks of doing so. You don't steal from the king. Yeah, especially when you work directly for Mr. Henry Man. Mm -hmm. Um, You should know better. Well, Well, he probably thought he was invincible. He was good at many things. I mean, he was mm-hmm. able to kill a person at least six different ways that we know of. Okay, but, but he... not apparently good enough to kill the queen. Mm. He saying. wasn't good at theft, <laughs> and he was immediately caught red-handed with a lot of Damn. fancy goods. Oh. You should have thought that through, Mother. Yeah, he was taken to trial where he was found guilty. <gasps> Stumpy, Uh-oh. you got it promoted! <laughs> yeah, because the sentence passed was execution. Oh, now, God. when the judge Can you was... imagine having to kill your boss? <laughs> That's, I mean, they were so uncreative with their punishments back then, weren't they? Uncreative? Everybody, un- yeah, they, they didn't get... They cre- just boiled a man But it was, all, it was all ex- execution. It's execution you die. in how many different ways? Yeah, but it's all execution. What did they say? Nine ways to skin a cat? Just, like, there's boiling, beheading, How hanging. dare you bring cats into this? <laughs> Do you know, in India at one point, there was a method of execution where they would train an elephant to stand on your head. Yes! I've seen that. I love elephants. There was also, they would strap people to a field gun and then fire it. They would literally explode you. There's there's a lot of scope. There's a lot of creativity within the world of execution. I I I think, Mel, you're selling it short. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, you guys she make some love good it as points. Much as we do. <laughs> <laughs> She's now. like your daughter. Everything's all happy. <laughs> Nobody ever got executed. I'm going to just pretend like they died of natural causes. Yes. <laughs> oh, I, I, I did leave out the rape of Boudicca's Aww. daughters. I was like, and they, they hurt them. Because I'm like, I don't want to have to explain Aww. rape at the age yeah. of seven. That's too early. No. Yeah. They hurt them. Yeah. Oh. I'm gonna just pretend they didn't. <laughs> That's, I did it. I was like, I'm gonna pretend that never happened. <laughs> now, when the judge was informed that the man to be executed was actually the executioner, he decided that Mr. Cratwell would have to do it himself. What? Okay. Suicide. No, he didn't. He just promoted oh. Stumbleg. Okay. <laughs> I was like, how do you? Um, how would you? Yeah. You just. 
Do you right. job put your own rope up? <laughs> <laughs> and then you stick your head in there and go, and you look at the crowd. <laughs> well, you say that. I mean, you've you've alluded to the um, the Salem witch trials with the pressing. When they hung them, they had to climb a ladder, and then they were expected to step off it. So yeah, you, there was pushed. a certain amount yeah. of volition from the person. Stuff, yeah. So it's not it's not as weird as it seems. However, no, Stumpy got the job. But can you imagine? Okay. Leg. We have this. Congratulations, system. We have this yeah. pool set for you. Don't mind that it's steaming, really, really hot. Go ahead, take a bath, Mr. Crappy. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Reese, nice. get in it's there. It's like a hot tub. <laughs> Just take a bath. Yeah. Kill yourself. That sounds nice. And then jump back out, and then jump back again. <laughs> <laughs> like, go on, go on. You can only imagine how awkward the last moments of Mr. Cratwell's life must have been as his former assistant put a noose around his neck in front of a crowd of approximately 20,000 people. Wow. Karma's a bitch! His, <laughs> his simple obituary described him as a cunning butcher in the quartering of men. That was his epitaph. Oh, oh that's lovely. That's, that's a great way to be remembered. Yeah. So now Stump butchery. Legs in charge. The butchery of people. But what Stump... Oh, Stumpy! What Stump Leg needs... <laughs> He needs a new assistant. Uh, yeah, oh. he does. And he Is found a man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, he, he found a man who was willing to become his assistant. A man... And if you think Stumpleg is, is a bad way to be remembered to history, his assistant was a man called simply Bull. Bu- what? Bull. Bog? Bull. bull, oh bull! Yep, like a cow, bull. like a cow, a bull. like moo. He didn't have a first name. He didn't have a last name. He just was just bull. known as Bull. bull. So it's I mean, that's better cool than name. Stumpy. I like <laughs> <laughs> Bull. Bring in the so bull. That's kind of cool, I so, guess. So the new the it's, new execution like dream a, team is Stumpy and Bull. Yeah, it has like a like this air of like a bull in a china cabinet, like this big. No nonsense type yeah, of You're person. imagining this rather simple, stoic, massive like unit little... of a man. <laughs> it's probably an ironic name. He was really tiny. And... <laughs> anyway, so Stumpy <laughs> took his assistant and just carried on executing people for King Henry. In 1542, he was able to do something that his former boss had never managed and beheaded Thank a queen. Oh! Catherine Howard, wife number five who had lasted less than two years from marriage to death. And as a result, Henry hadn't felt the need to, you know, do her the service of bringing over a professional a special. from but Europe. But probably, I think he did, I don't remember the Queen having to be chopped a couple times. I think. Oh no, no, he did, he did well. He did it, yeah. He did it in one. He, he rose job, to the Stumpy. occasion. However, as he came to his final years, Henry showed no signs of growing more compassionate and, if anything became even more cruel. A good example of this was the execution of the Countess of Surrey in 1541. The Countess had been a prisoner in the Tower of London for a number of years, living essentially under house arrest in a suite of private rooms. So she'd been arrested, but she'd not been you know, tried and they did that often. sentenced. They she was just there and then as a political in, prisoner. In the house arrest, kind of. She was cosy. You know, she was allowed to send letters to her family. She was allowed to have visitors. It was it was the equivalent of, I need to keep an eye on you, rather than mm-hmm. you're in imminent mortal peril. Then suddenly, on May 27th, 1541, the 67-year-old countess was informed that she was to be executed. 
within the hour. Damn. Oh, that's not yeah. a lot of notice. She's just having a random Tuesday, writing some letters. Uh, like, what, uh, what, why? Like, what made him put her in the forefront of his mind thinking, it's, like, it's got to be done today. Gotta be, we got to do it. One of her sons was considering a marriage that King Henry didn't like. Oh. So take it out on his mother? Oh, yeah, as a way of going, he. well, she's been off the board so An long. example? Yeah. He's like, well, I'll just kill his mom. Then he'll, ste- you know, he'll yeah, fall into line. Cross the... Like the mob. Now, naturally, having been told, oh, by the way, you're dead before it hits two o'clock. She freaked out. And when she was led to the block in the tower yard, she refused to kneel down, telling the executioner that he could, and this is a direct quote, take her head as he could. She's like, <laughs> I'm not helping you. You got to work for this one. (laughs) Now, probably because she was so old and frail, Stumpleg had taken this opportunity to let his new assistant bull take a crack with the axe. Uh oh. So you got, you know, old people have stringy chicken necks. You'll be fine getting through that. And suddenly, this young bloke. They're moving. Yeah, she got up and she tried to run away. (laughs) So she's running around the Uh tower yard. Being chased by this teenager with an axe. Oh my god. Like a chicken with her head cut off. Well, eventually the head was cut off, but it took several blows to the back of the head and the shoulders before he finally oh. managed to get that kill. Oh god. Fighter. I would too. Good for her. Seriously. I mean, Fuck the only sad thing about that <laughs> is that it was not a public execution. Because I think oh. that they'd have loved it. Yeah, that would have been great television. The punters would have been going, <laughs> it's going We're cutting to a commercial right now. <laughs> if you had that execution on one week, the next week the crowds would have doubled, just in case. This just, is the new yes. way we do it. We give them yep. a sporting chance. We let them give them 10 seconds. And... That would be a great reality show. I a man know. with an axe <laughs> and what? an old woman <laughs> with a chicken neck. <laughs> If she oh, gets to safety, horrible. she gets I'm a million so pounds and the right. Duchy of Cornwall. <laughs> That's like the new, what is that show? The, um, the Amazing the, Race. No, no, no. That one that was like... Hunted. Um, the Squid Game. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That would be like the new Squid Game. Uh, only for old people, though. You but have to be over 60 to enter. <laughs> Run. Another example is the case of Anne Askew in 1546, who was accused of plain speaking. Plain speaking, speaking her mind. Yes, she was a woman in Tudor England. Okay. Uh, It was uh, a roundabout way of saying that she was able to argue successfully with men by quoting examples from the scriptures. So she'd actually got to read the Bible and understand Mm -hmm. it quite well. And she could argue the points that she wanted to. She's a witch. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, she's a witch. (laughs) She's a religious witch. (laughs) She, as an example, tried to argue that she should be allowed to get divorced from her husband. I mean, Uh, the king did it. Yeah, well, I'm guessing that's one of the uh, arguments she put forward. And, of course, the entire patriarchal hierarchy of the country decided that an example needed to be made. Clearly. Yeah. She's starting to have independent thoughts. Um, Well, that's not good. Handmaid's Tale. Mm Mm-mm. Accordingly, Stumpleg was told to put her on the rack, twice. Her arms and legs were pulled from their sockets. And at one point she was apparently suspended five inches off the floor. She was only in her 40s. She wasn't very old at all. Oh my God. 
The injuries caused were so severe that she needed to be carried by chair to the stake on July 16th, 1546. Wait, so they didn't... Okay, way, way back. Mm -hmm. They didn't... Okay, so like in Germany, I did that executioner episode, Mm -hmm. and that executioner would torture them, but then he would fix them. Like, like if he dislocated something, he would relocate it. Oh, they didn't no, do that? No, no, no. Okay. Well, they're going to burn her They anyway. weren't trying to really get a confession. They were just trying to... What they were trying her? to do was happened? trying to get her to give up other um, Protestants, essentially. People uh, people that were protesting against the king. Other people who had a mind. Yeah. Mm. And she refused to do so. And not only did they have to carry her to the stake on a chair, they had a special setup at the stake where there was a little chair for her to sit on. Oh. So they sat her down and chained her to the stake. Because they don't want her jumping up and running out. No. (laughs) Right? It it took a little bit of extra work to do that. And one of her supporters said, oh, well, I'll help to chain her up. And he took that opportunity to tie a bag of gunpowder around her neck. Now, before they burned them, a bishop began to preach to them in the hopes of encouraging her and the fellow Protestants who were being burned to repent. Askew apparently listened rather attentively and when he said anything that she agreed with, she loudly said so. So he'd be preaching and she'd go, yep, yeah, that's right. Yes, well done. So she was, you know, quite enjoying the sermon. However, whenever he said anything that was contrary to what she believed, she apparently shouted, ah, see, there he misseth and speaketh without the book. So she was basically, she was giving him notes. She's like, no, no, no. Yeah. See, you've she got that wrong. She was heckling him. Yeah. <laughs> And they were like, okay, just shut her up already. (laughs) (laughs) But it made the entire thing into a bit of a farce because he's trying to, this is the true way of speaking. She's got, no, no, he's got that wrong. You see, and I'm imagining she was quoting scripture at him. She's like, I I think you've missed Deuteronomy here. Bring me your Bible, I'll show you. Anne Askew managed to prevent herself from crying out in pain from the flames before the gunpowder ignited and blew her head clean off her shoulders. Oh, okay. That was nice of her friend, I guess. And 20 foot into the air. That's awesome. And thus were fireworks invented. (laughs) She went out with a bang. Oh, she definitely did. But apparently there was enough gunpowder that not only her, but the four people she was being burned alongside all died instantaneously. So that was... It was a nuclear level of gunpowder they put in that bag. Nice. Yeah. And the crowd just went... Yes. I imagine there were a lot of parts flying, though. Probably yeah. got hit with some... Don't worry, no. if you were in the front row, you got given a sort of uh, cagoule to wear. <laughs> finger <laughs> lands in your, no- under your nose, in your hair. <laughs> you're in the splash zone. You knew what you were doing. Splash, splash zone. <laughs> oh, they're going to start giving out, like, plastic to the front rows. <laughs> yeah, right? Like at a Gallagher show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, morbid, morbid. Okay. This proved to be a bit of a bloody finale, because less than a year later, King Henry himself had died after a 36-year reign when as many as thirty to 40,000 people had been executed in his kingdom. Oh, my God. Some people put it as high as 72,000, but that seems to be a bit of a stretch. I can't even imagine. Why would you kill your own people? I know. Seriously. To get hold of their money, mainly. Well, I mean, I know why, but, like, I I can't imagine that in today's world, like... Well, bear in mind, that's like, 30... I know the administration's trying to be subtle about killing us off by <laughs> yeah. taking away healthcare and stuff, but um, they're not directly going. <laughs> you have to be more subtle. That's about thirty it. to forty thousand people 
but the population of England at the time was only 2.3 million. And let so me it's pull out my daughter, Bloody yeah. Mary, to finish mm. the country off. Man. Yeah. Yeah, it, it didn't get any better. I'm, I'll, I'll give you that. No. Now, although Stumpleg, he'd outlasted Henry, and he might have enjoyed a lighter schedule under the child king, Edward VI, <laughs> who, he didn't have a long reign, but one thing he did, which I think we can all be grateful for, is he repealed the whole boiling to death law. Yeah, so he took good. that off the statute books. Well done, he was little young, Edward. So did someone else like put that in his ear? Yeah, can we just? I think he just that? went. Can we not? My dad did forward? what? I don't know. I, no, we're not doing he, that anymore. That seems I'm glad a he bit didn't much. Inherit yeah, his dad's mental really... illnesses. The psych- but the psychopathy. Heat, well, a lot of his was from the injury. Mm. Yeah, from the not frontal lobe injury. Yeah. So but he was a psychopath. To be fair, that the was kids... that was only the last decade of his life. He'd been killing people regularly for the first forty-four years. Yeah, it, the kids didn't really live with their dad. Mm. It wasn't like they well, were all running around the kingdom. He didn't really care about Mary. He didn't care about Elizabeth. He did care about Edward. Yeah, but Edward died. So young. you would think you would think that he would have got had him more in his own image and said, "Okay, you're going to take over someday." And well, he did with Edward. He was like, "You're my you're yeah. my son. You're the one." So I then care it wouldn't about. be a surprise that he's boiling. He'd probably be like, yeah. "So that's why I'm thinking someone else put it in his ear to get rid of it." Well, like, but I a really, a really positive thing you can do at the start of your reign. By the way, guys, no risk of being boiled to death. He wanted to be liked, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And a new king with new policies. Way. He didn't want to be despised like yeah. his dad. Under my regime, no one will die in a pot of hot water. <laughs> <laughs> but you will be beheaded, burnt, and hung. But there's yes. anything else goes. But no boiling alive. Somebody. It's a plus. Bring me Progress. Bring well, yeah, he outlasted Henry, and he also outlasted Edward, because Edward died young and was replaced by Bloody Mary. Ah. And the execution started up again, which caused an unbelievable amount of stress for Stumpleg, which ultimately took its toll. Because Aww. just like his old boss, Mr. Cratwell, he turned to thieving in 1556. And... Was he not making enough money? Come on. Yeah. Just like his old boss... He got caught. Just ask for a raise if you needed money that bad. <laughs> Stumpleg. Who else can boil people like me? You won't find another boiler like me. You better give me more money. Well, no, he trained Bull up very well. <laughs> and so Bull. You should, you should pay them so they don't go to thievery. Well, Bull did an amazing job of hanging Stumpleg <laughs> in 1556. Oh, and like, so, oh wow. Same thing. Yep. His successor. Okay. And Bull became the premier executioner in London for the next 23 years. Wow. Who, having seen two examples of what happened don't, when don't you broke the law as an executioner, managed to avoid committing theft, dying Yay, smart in his post of natural causes. Yay! <laughs> and that is the story of Mr. Cratwell and Stumpleg, Henry VIII's executed executioners. That nice. is a good story. That was I a great story. Those, I didn't know that part. Are you going to play us off with the song? The Henry VIII song? I don't, what, <laughs> Greensleeves? Henry song? No, the I'm Henry VIII. I, I am. am. Oh, I'm Henry VIII. I am. <laughs> or Greensleeves. Well, that one's if, nicer. If you listen to anything from the first year, I play Greensleeves as the intro music. Oh, nice. Oh, because is that what it is? He wrote that. The first one.
It's Emma, Chief Organiser at Consistently Eccentric, here to remind you all that if you like what you hear, you can catch up with all previous episodes and session series by searching for us on Acast, Spotify and iTunes. How fancy. You can also join us on Instagram at Consistently Eccentric Podcast, where we update on the weekly episode and post all of our bonus content for you lucky lot. See you next week.